The first AP Top 25 poll of the college football season is officially out, but were the Utes ranked too high, too low, or just right? We're talking about it on today's Locked on Utes. You are Locked on Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and thank you for making Locked On YouTube your first listen every single day. We are available on all platforms, including YouTube. My name is JT Wistersill, a former intern inside the University of Utah Athletic Department, now stepping out to give you guys the coverage you guys deserve after I graduated from the U. But on today's show, we are going to be talking about the AP rankings. They are out. Utah is at seven. We're going to talk about that. Also, we heard from Coach Witt and Offensive Coordinator Andy Ludwig after practice today. So we're going to be talking about their comments as well. But first, got to start with that AP poll. So Utah comes in at number seven. On yesterday's show, I talked about it. I thought they would come in at number six. The coaches poll had them at eight. And I also mentioned, I kind of thought Utah would be at eight or maybe even nine. I just for the media poll, I just didn't think the media would value this team as much as the coaches do. And the media actually proved opposite. They value this Utah team more than the coaches do, which I was personally surprised by. But I think it is a credit to this Utah team and all that they accomplished last season. I think the media looked at it, understood their resume, and said this group deserves to be there. But personally, I still think they deserve to be a little bit higher. I think this team was worthy of a top five ranking. And we're going to go over a little bit more about some of those other teams about why Utah deserved that top five ranking. But just overall, I think Utah fans should feel very good about number seven. It's not easy to be a top 10 team in the country. Utah absolutely earned this spot. We knew they were going to be in the top 10, but seven is still good. It could have been eight or nine, but seven feels like a good spot. To me, it feels a little too low, but I still feel like it's not the end of the world. They're at seven, and in a lot of ways, you could make arguments for the teams above them, and even some of the teams behind them if you want to be ahead. So I feel like seven is a really good place for this Utah team to be in, and I think it's very fair. Now, I do think that 19 voters personally got it right because those 19 voters had Utah in the top five. Only two voters had Utah outside the top 10, but overall, the strong majority agreed this Utah team is absolutely worthy of that top seven spot or in that top seven range with some 19 voters thinking they deserved even a little bit higher. So we're looking, talking about Utah, why this team was seven, probably first, just overall. This is still a team that went 10 and four last year. And I think that now under Cam Rising or with Cam Rising at that helm of the starting quarterback position, this is a Utah team that was actually only lost one game, that being the Oregon State game. Since then, they went on to win all of them. And of course, they lost the San Diego State game. But that was because of how late Cam came into the game. And if he had started that game, they probably would have won that one as well. So it's a very different Utah team. It's obvious the media recognized that. But at the end of the day, you're still dealing with a four-loss team. So it makes sense to me why they also land at seven. Because we're going to talk about the records with some of the other teams as well. But I think when you are comparing records, because this is going to be important when we're debating these AP rankings, it's important to acknowledge that no team was different over the second over the latter half of their season than Utah. It was a completely different team after Cam Rising took over. And I just don't think that can be understated enough. And I think it's something the media members really took into account when making these rankings. So first, the locks, Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia. Absolutely. 
Alabama and Ohio State are kind of the top two teams unquestioned in the country. They have the best two quarterbacks in the country, C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, with Alabama also having the other best player in the country, that being Will, Will Anderson, who I think is absolutely phenomenal as a defensive end prospect and just as a college football player. And then, of course, you got Georgia, the returning national champions, who they lost a lot of guys, yeah, but still have their starting quarterback back in Bennett and a lot of other pieces that helped contribute to last year's team, and you know they're going to reload on defense. So there's no poking holes in that top three to me, and it was pretty clear top three across the board. Almost everyone agreed with that top three consensus. But then let's get to the next couple teams that were ahead of Utah. So number four, you had Clemson. Five, you had Notre Dame. Six, you had A&M. Seven, you had Utah. Eight, you had Michigan. Nine was Oklahoma. Ten was Baylor. Eleven was Oregon. And 14, actually, was USC. So three Pac-12 teams in the top 15, I think, is a very good sign and a realistic goal this season that all three of those teams can finish in the top 15 as well, which I think would be fantastic for the conference as well. And it's just nice to have these teams in the top 15 as well as it's going to give the Pac-12 some more national exposure, especially if Oregon and Utah remain kind of the class of the conference. Obviously, with USC leaving, they don't provide the value. But Utah, the biggest value Utah is going to be able to provide in any of these media rights deals or anything going on is the fact that they're going to be winning and have a chance to be playing in the biggest games. And that is a very valuable commodity for these TV markets. They want to have those teams with the single-digit rankings next to them playing in their primetime games. Whichever team gets a Pac-12 package is going to have a chance to have that with not just Utah, but Oregon as well. But I thought Oregon's ranking was fair at 11, and USC, I think 14 is perfectly fine. This is a team that could really go either way to me. There's definitely a world where they can make it inside the top 10 to me if all things click, and there's a world, obviously, where they end the season unranked. So it's going to be interesting to watch them. But focusing it on Utah, so yeah, Utah at number seven. I personally think they should have been four, and I'm going to go over why I think these other teams, uh, Utah should be higher than them. First, let's start with six. So Texas A&M, it really does make sense to me. You have the four straight years of the top 10 recruiting class, and the 2022 recruiting class is the highest recruiting class of all time. But Jimbo Fisher, and for whatever reason, it doesn't matter if Kellen Mond's been a quarterback or some of the other guys they've had down there in Aggie, in, in College Station, it just hasn't worked out for one reason or another, whether that's inconsistencies, just mistakes. I mean, last year you beat Alabama. Yet you still finish with four losses. And yes, Ole Miss is, was a really good team last year. Arkansas was a really good team last year as well. But if you want to be a great team, you have to beat those really good teams. They weren't able to do that. They also had some not great losses. Mississippi State was very middle of the road last year. Lost to them. And the loss to LSU was really bad. LSU was a mess last year. It feels like forever ago since that whole Ed Orgeron thing was going on. That was a really weird divorce with a lot of the allegations and just the way the team performed. There was a lot going on there. But at the end of the day, you still lose to that team. I think that's a really bad loss. So as much as talent as they've accumulated, I don't think they have shown throughout a season that they're capable of being excellent week in and week out and making a big-time game. Utah, they're coming off a Rose Bowl appearance, a Pac-12 championship. Texas A&M has had two winning seasons in the past 20 years. So I just think it is too much faith in A&M. I can understand why they would be six. I really can. When you're staring at that much talent, it's hard to ignore it and be like, uh, I don't think this is going to work. Because I can see why you think it would. There's that much talent on paper, but games aren't played on paper for a reason. Lots of things go into that. Part of that is coaching. I like Jimbo Fisher. don't think he's one of the five best coaches in the country. And I think A&M, I think they're going to get it right soon. But I do think Utah deserves to be over them because I think they're going to have at least a couple losses this year, whereas I only expect Utah to really have one. So I think two to three losses will be the difference between Utah and A&M. Then you get to five. That's Notre Dame. You get Marcus Freeman in there. You new offensive coordinator. You get a lot of returning starters back, but there is a quarterback battle. So when you're talking about college football teams, the first two things 
that come to your mind are who their head coach is and who their quarterback is. And as much as I like Marcus Freeman, it's a first-year head coach. He also he got a little bit of coaching experience in the bowl game. That did not go very well. I'm not going to judge it too harshly on that, but still just shows the inexperience of a coach to me. And I just think he's in a very difficult spot in his first season taking over this program because just really hard to be great in your first year. Also, how about the test he has week one? Notre Dame goes to Ohio State, and we just got done talking about what a good team Ohio State is. I just think that's an incredibly tough ask for this team, and they're the most obvious one to me as we get to week after week one is played and the AP releases their next rankings, that's the one that I think will drop down because I think Notre Dame is going to drop it. I think they are in for a disappointing season because Marcus Freeman still figuring things out, how to lead a team over the course of a season, get a new offensive coordinator in there as well. How's he going to settle and do his own thing? And you don't know who the quarterback's going to be. And I think that's a, a big up in the air point. And that was one thing that everyone kind of struggled with Utah last year. A lot of people thought Utah could be good going into the 2021 season, but and because Charlie Brewer was accomplished as well. And that's the one difference as well, I'll point out, was even though Charlie Brewer didn't work with Utah, I think one of the reasons people were still high on this Utah team going into last year, not as high this year, obviously, but because Charlie Brewer did have that Baylor success, so a lot of people thought it would just click and work out in Utah. Notre Dame's guys, they're all sophomores or younger underclassmen who don't have that experience. So I'm generally concerned when the most important position on the field is still a question mark for you. So I feel like Utah should definitely be over Notre Dame as well. Then you get to Clemson. And Clemson for me is here because obviously Dabo Sweeney is a fantastic coach. DJ Uyunglele is a really good quarterback. It was very up and down last year. We can talk about that in a second. And yeah, I just think it's the trust of Clemson. They've been the dominant team in the ACC for the past decade. But last year matters. And you know what else matters? Losing your offensive and defensive coordinators as well. And they lost both of them. Also lost their defensive line coach. And Clemson has had a lot of great defensive line talent come through. When you lose your defensive line coach, the guy who's in charge of recruiting a lot of those guys, that leads to concern as well. So I just think that Clemson is a little bit riding the legacy they had because if we look at their season last year, I know they went 10-3, and but they weren't even conference champions. It was a very disappointing, underwhelming year. We saw what they looked like versus one of the best teams in the country in Georgia. They mustered three points. We saw what Utah looked like against one of the best teams in Ohio State and led to an extremely high-scoring, incredible Rose Bowl affair that we were all super excited to bear witness to. So for me, I just think Utah should be better than them because of the consistencies. They they should be higher than Clemson because of the consistencies they have on their roster, what they did building off of last season versus how disappointing Clemson was. And who do you trust more right now, Cam Rising or DJ Uyunglele? I trust Cam Rising more. And that's the biggest thing when we're talking about these teams. Let's look at my top four teams, how I would have it. Alabama, yeah, Bryce Young's awesome. Ohio State, CJ Stroud, incredible. Georgia, I don't love Stepson Bennett, but I know you can win a national championship with him as they're coming off one, and he's a really good game manager. He's proven that he can make throws in clutch moments. You know who else proved that? Cam Rising, more so than whoever Notre Dame's going to come out with, whoever Texas A&M's going to have as their signature caller, and even then DJ Uyunglele at Clemson because he had a very underwhelming season a year ago. So when you talk about the momentum that Utah is carrying into this season, it's higher than any of those three teams listed above them, and I trust their quarterback a lot more as well. And you factor in all those returning starters too, I really do believe Utah should have been at number four on this list. And I think they have a really compelling case to do so, but either way, Still got to be really happy with seven. The national respect this team deserves. They're starting to get it. I didn't think they would even be at seven, so I'm very happy they are, and I think there's definitely room to improve. And after week one, I think this Utah team is going to go up the board, not just because of Notre Dame's loss to Ohio State, and maybe even, who knows, maybe an Oregon shocks the world and goes down to Georgia, and Dan Lanning gets the big win against his former head coach and the team he just won a national championship as well, that being Kirby Smart in Georgia. 
Either way, I think Utah is going to have a great showing week one in Gainesville, and there it's going to allow them to climb these rankings up. But fun to see Utah get that respect. And one thing that's so exciting about Utah's season coming up is that you guys have a great opportunity to cash in on how this team's going to do with betonline.net. Betonline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball. You guys know NFL preseason is getting underway, which means the NFL season is extremely close. Also got golf, there's eSport events, combat, and of course, college football. Always great to have the college football season back. Whether you guys are looking at some of the opportunities for Utah, whether it's going down to the Swamp, and if you think they're going to pull that one out, or some of their other games as well this season, we look at bet online's props, odds, and lines to cash in and take advantage of what's going to be a great Utah season. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. Bet Online, where the game starts. So, focusing back in on this Utah team, one of the big things, the biggest news coming out today, the preseason rankings. You know who didn't care at all? Kyle Whittingham. Not surprising. Coach Whittingham has never been one to love national media rankings or predictions. He's always been someone who says, hey, let's focus in on our team, what we need to do to get better each week. Well, all that stuff, if the noise and all that stuff on the outside will sort itself out if we take care of business in-house and on the field. And that's what this Utah team has consistently done over and over again. So it wasn't surprising when directly asked about it, Coach Witt said, we don't care about it. And he made a really good point as well. He said he doesn't feel there should even be a ranking until week five or six when you start to get a feel for these teams. And I think that's a really good point. Very few teams go into week five and six undefeated. So if you are going for the most accurate ranking heading into a season, because obviously if you want the most accurate ranking, you'd wait till the season is over. But if you're trying to create an accurate ranking based off early season results, because we're just looking at things on paper right now, you would do it that way. But come on, Coach Witt, where's the fun in that? This is what makes it fun, looking at these teams, their rosters up and down, seeing who would win, talking through the hypotheticals. It's one of the things we love about sports. So I personally love that the AP poll puts out a preseason top 25 because it's something we love to do. We love to talk about preseason rankings, talk about and see who's going to have the better team. And then when they meet on the field, we get to watch it and enjoy it. And I just think it's one of the great things about football. So Coach Witt moving on with the rest of his press conference. He talked about how he feels really good about the the place this team is in, 11 practices in, and is excited for the 14 more they have coming up until they head down to Gainesville. And that's what's crazy. You still have 14 practices left because it feels like, maybe for for some of you guys, it still feels like Gainesville is forever away. feels like we've been in fall camp for a little bit now. This is the start. This is now the third week we've been able to talk to Coach Witt. So it's starting to feel like it's been going on for a little bit. But team only did just get through the first scrimmage. And it does sound like based on talking to Coach Witt and Coach Ludwig, as we're going to talk, mention the quotes that he talked about with the media in a little bit, the practice went very well today. And so did the scrimmage over the weekend. But he did address a couple of things. So first he did mention there is still a competition at left guard, right tackle, and center. Now I'm going to say this right now. I just I don't know how much of a competition there is at center. This is something Coach Ludwig, when he brought up his concerns with the offensive line, or not concerns, because this is this, this is something Utah has mentioned over and over again, whether it be Coach Witt or any other coaches on the staff, when asked about the offensive line, that being Coach Ludwig. This is a group we feel so good about. We have so many guys that it's hard to not to figure out which one will give us the best chance to win by starting. So it really is a credit to this Utah team that you have so many good guys 
out there that it makes it such a tough decision to figure out who's going to start, who's going to not. So it's a great problem to have, just a tough one to solve right now. But I'm going to say this. I think Paul Miley is absolutely the starting center. I just don't really have a doubt about that at this moment. I can say this is still an open competition. And, of course, if Miley messes up in practice, then he's going to lose that job. But he hasn't yet. sounds like he's continuing to run with the ones, and I would be shocked if he's not our starting center on day one. Now, things get interesting at left guard a little bit because Michael Mokofisi is a fantastic athlete. He's a road grader as well. He's got a, And it sounds like he's really impressing the coaches. But obviously, Keaton Bills really impressed the coaches from a year ago as well with how he played last season coming in after they reshuffled the offensive line. So it sounds like we got a really good competition going on at left guard. Are they going to go with the more experienced guy because Mokofisi did get a little bit of reps last year? Or are they going to roll with the guy who's got – the ups, who's got upside, relies on Mokofisi. The stability of what we know he is is Keaton Bills from last year. going to be interesting to see what this Utah team decides to roll with. And Satawa Laumea is a guy who's been shining all camp long. So I know he's going to be a starting guard spot. He's been a stalwart for this Utah program going back to last season as well. And saw a little bit of action in the 2020 year as too. And I just think he's a guy who's going to have an awesome year. And Coach Witt mentioned that he was one of the guys who really stuck out during the scrimmage as well. So I think he's got a really good chance to solidify and just be one of the starters day one at guard. And just based on talking to Coach Witt, I don't really think it's a competition for him. I think he will be the starting right guard because he said the competition was for left guard. So it seems like they've moved Laumea over to right guard. And obviously the big one is right tackle right now. It's Jaron Kump or Falcon Kalmatule. Tule, excuse me. And I think when you're talking about Kump versus Falcon, I'm starting to think Falcon's going to win this. Originally, I talked about it last week. I thought this is Kump's job. He has the experience. He has the reps. And he has only just been starting to get back into practice, so getting his legs under him. But it sounds like Falcon's really been blowing this coaching staff away. And I think he's going to hang on and keep the job. Get his frame 6'8". He had a really good spring ball. I just think he's the guy the team trusts a little bit more right now at this stage. And I do think he's going to get the job. A couple other guys who really stood out during Utah's scrimmage that Coach Witt mentioned, Cole Bishop, not surprising. We know he's just a playmaker. Said all the running backs looked really strong. This is one of the deepest running back room in the country. I would say the deepest personally. Diabate, he said, also had a really strong day as well, which is encouraging to hear is he figures to be a big part of this team's game plan going into Florida week one. Now, does he know what they're going to run? No, because it's a new team and a new system under Billy Napier as the new head coach of the Florida Gators. But he knows his teammates' tendencies, and I do think that's going to help out a little bit, and he knows what it's like to play in the swamp and in that heat. So he's going to be able to lead these guys and tell them, hey, let's go, let's lock in when they're experiencing the hot Florida heat in early September, which is no joke. And speaking of that heat, that's actually something Utah has been trying to do as well. Josh Furlong on Twitter pointed out that this Utah team has been practicing inside to try to simulate some of that humidity because not only is it really hot outside, but then they get the humidity of being indoors where it's not really air-conditioned. So. Nothing can perfectly prepare you for going down to Gainesville on a hot September day, but that game is a 7 p.m. kickoff, so it will be at least a little bit cooler that night. So I think it's great that this team is practicing inside, and when they do continue to shine, I think it's going to be awesome that guys like Diabate have had really good scrimmages so they could be on the field when things get intense in Florida, which they absolutely will. It's also great to hear Money Parks continues to have an outstanding camp. Everyone continues to mention and rave about him, and it really seems like he is in for a big year. Another thing Coach Witt talked about was that he has there's really six linebackers playing well, but he only mentioned the main guys by name. So at the moment, I I really think he's just giving the other guys a little bit of extra love, but 
I'm only going to talk about the ones he mentioned by name because I think he was just trying to give props like, hey, you're doing good out there, but I don't think they're really in this. It's Diabate, it's Reed, it's Barton, it's Medlock. And I really do think day one, as Diabate gets healthier and healthier, I think he's going to have a really good chance to be out there right away. Early reviews were that it was Reed and Barton. So at the moment, I might stick with that. But man, getting Diabate healthy and knowing that he knows what it's like to play in Gainesville, it's going to be really hard not to stop him in week one. Another thing that was talked about was Gabe Reed is still kind of been dealing with some injury stuff. So who's going to step in at that defensive end spot? Connor O'Toole has been a guy as well as Jonah Ellis. Sugi Turaga is another guy who's really done a good job along the defensive line as well. And I think this is a Utah team that's got to be really excited about the defensive end depth they have. And it's going to be fun to see what this group can do getting after the quarterback. Obviously, it was so nice. You knew you had Tafu on one side and you had Van Fillinger on the edge. So if Gabe Reed's not able to get back and healthy is one of these guys, whether it is O'Toole or Ellis or any of the other guys in this defensive end room, are they going to be able to break out and have a strong season across from Van? Because I think Van is in for a great year and his coaching staff continues to rave about how he's looked in the early portions of camp. Another thing Coach Witt talked about was how Money Parks, Jalen Dixon, Clark Phillips, and Devon Vele are all kind of vying for the punt return spot right now. And personally, I really want to see Clark Phillips get it. There's just something electric about a corner who not only shuts guys down, but can also, we know he, from his pick sixes and the times he's made plays with the ball in his hands, that he's capable of taking it back and getting six points. And I personally think that Clark is the best guy for this job, and I really hope he wins it. I think he's. if you want to launch a Clark for Heisman campaign as well, what better way to do it than have him returning the ball, scoring touchdowns and right right cycles, getting that place going as he takes those punts to the house. So I really hope he wins it, but I think Money Parks, Jalen Dixon, Devon Bailey, I think they would all do a phenomenal job. Now, moving on to what Coach Ludwig said, and this is also something Coach Witt talked about, but I wanted to bring it in with Ludwig as well because he really elaborated on it too. They both said, this is what we all suspected. It's a two-man competition for quarterback two. Nate Johnson's out. This is firmly Jaquindon Jackson versus Bryson Barnes for quarterback number two. And they're competing. They both had outstanding scrimmages, Coach Witt said. It's officially down to them. And after next Saturday's scrimmage, so we'll hear on Monday who is officially quarterback two because they've been really splitting the reps. That's something this Utah team doesn't want to do anymore. They're ready to go back to just giving one backup quarterback guy the lion's share of the reps so that when those times and situations come in games, they've had the reps to be prepared and are ready to go out there and execute. And that's only going to happen if you stick to your backup quarterback and make a plan to give him the reps. And I think that's what they're going to do. And Coach Witz talked about, Coach Ludwig as well, how improved Jaquindon is. They've mentioned he's had a really great camp, and we know what Bryson can do. Obviously, this is a coaching staff that trusted him to go in during the Rose Bowl, the most critical of moments in Utah's entire season with their final game, win or loss, their first ever Rose Bowl championship on the line. And he made the plays and necessary throws to put them in position to win that game. So it's going to be fun to see who ends up winning this quarterback two battle. I still think Jaquindon is going to surprise people and come out and take it, but I think Bryson could easily just take it as well. I'm kind of like a you could I'm kind of like a coin on this. It's a coin flip for me. One day I feel that Bryson's going to get it. One day I feel Jaquindon's going to get it. It's going to be a lot of fun to see who actually ends up getting it. One of the other things Coach Ludwig talked about was how he feels like this team is ready to be is on track to be ready in Week One. There's a thun, tons of things you can nitpick and do better, but in terms of what he's seen, he sounds like he's very 
pleased. He said that there were a lot of positives generated from the first scrimmage. That's a quote. And this is another quote as well. He said there were some explosive plays that they took care of the football. And I think we're on track, but like I mentioned, got that, got a lot of work to still do, which makes sense. Every single coach is going to say his team's got a lot of work to do. Doesn't want them to get complacent, be satisfied. And there's always little things you can improve on because what your goal is, is perfection. And by aiming for perfection, when you fall short, you still end up really, really good to sometimes even great. One of the things I was most encouraged by reading that quote is just hearing about those explosive plays because I think that's something all Utah fans are excited for and hoping to see this year. We're hoping to see Money Park's 40-yard touchdowns, Makai Cope with big touchdown catches, Devon Bailey, the 50-yard touchdown, 60 yards, just really those explosive plays is something this Utah team hasn't had a lot of through the air. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun to see if we can get some of those this season. One thing that was interesting I thought that Coach Ludwig brought up is he brought up how he wants to improve on the pad level and the first step in the run game, as well as identifying where pressure is coming from, from not just the offensive line, but Cam as well, making sure they're tracking all of that. And there's a lot of important things there, and it all relates to the offensive line. First, low man wins. That's always a saying along the offensive line, or honestly just in the trenches. So that's what he's really talking about with pad level. You've got to make sure you're lower than your opposition, that being the defensive line in this case, so that you can drive them backwards. Low man wins. That's the big thing, working on that pad level. Make sure they have good form and technique when they explode out of their stances so that they can create those running lanes. And that's something they're going to have to work on as well because you cannot play with high pads against a team like Florida. It's going to be a long day if you do so. Also, just working on those first steps in the run game. Everything in football happens so quickly. Seconds when you're blocking, though, can feel like eternity at times. So it's really making sure you get off to a really good first step because it all starts from there. If you have a bad first step, everything can get thrown off. You're out of position. You can't work a double team, so it messes someone else up. So it's really important that they come together and fix those first steps as well because that's a huge thing. You cannot get off. It's like a bad snap. It messes up the timing. A bad first step can throw off the timing as well because then your second step is correcting or getting on the right track that your first step should have taken you rather than if you took the correct first step then you're already on the right path so what's the next thing i need to do that would be the second step so definitely still working on those fundamentals and it's great this team got in that scrimmage atmosphere to get those live reps another thing i talked about was just identifying where the pressure is coming from whether that's cam and knowing hey we don't have enough guys to block this so someone's coming free off the edge i gotta get the ball out quick or the offensive line knowing hey i'm covered i'm uncovered what kind of blitz are we seeing is this a three front? Is it a four front? Is it a bare front? Is everyone covered? Or do we have to sh- all come together as the offensive line and just take a step in, leave the outside stuff exposed? All that is great to get out. And it sounds like Coach Scally is really making Coach Ludwig and this offense work by throwing lots of things at him. It's one of the great things about this coaching staff is they love to compete and go at each other. So Coach Ludwig, Scally, and Coach Witt as well, they love to test themselves, push themselves to get better. And because they do that, they're a better team. But Coach Ludwig said it too, feels really solid about the guys up front, as he should. They brought a fight, and talking about the starters, who's going to be the left tackle, who's going to be, excuse me, who's going to be the right tackle. We know left tackle is Brian Daniels. So who's going to be that right tackle, who's going to be left guard, is a matter of we have so many good options, it's hard to make a choice. Not a, oh man, we don't have anyone who can do this. So it's a great problem for this Utah team to have. Coach Ludwig also spoke to how they're making more explosive plays to the outside and just how more confident Money Parks is. And because he's more confident, he has a bet and he's more confident because he has a better understanding of the system. He has the knowledge. He knows, hey, I know exactly what I'm supposed to do, so I can even be more aggressive coming out of my breaks, 
be more competent as well. And it sounds like that's led to a really better player and a guy who's going to have a big role in this offense and could very well be the third receiver after for a while. I really thought it was going to be Makai Cope, but I feel like Money Parks is kind of settling into that role after how he's breaking out as well. Last thing I want to touch on with this is that Coach Ludwig also just spoke to how Cam did such a great job during the scrimmage, getting telling everyone where they needed to be. That's one of the biggest things as a quarterback is you have to know what everyone else is supposed to do on top of all the other responsibilities and checks you have. Being quarterback is such a cerebral and complicated position, and it's something Cam has down to a T. So great to hear that he is being that leader on the field and already helping guys get into place so young in the season. And it speaks to what we've heard from this Utah team, that – a lot of these guys spent time outside the facility getting work in, getting reps in, and I think Cam was chief among them, so he's able to help these other guys get in a position, especially some of the younger players, when they don't know where they're supposed to be. Also, want to tell you guys, thank you for checking out Locked On Utes, and if you guys are in the market for a second listen every day, especially diving into the Pac-12, want to recommend you to take a look at Locked On Pac-12, where host Spencer McLaughlin and other Locked On hosts will take you around the conference in under 30 minutes. So make sure you guys check out Locked On Pac-12 and make it your second listen every single day. Guys, thank you so much for listening or watching, depending on the platform you chose. Make sure you give us a follow at Locked On Utes. If you guys have anything you want me to cover as well as talk about or tell me what I did wrong, make sure you hit me up at JT Wistersill on Twitter. And we thank you for tuning in to Locked On Utes. That's it for today, and we'll see you tomorrow.